0: Sports Talk, Talk New, York New York with your, with your hosts, Mark, Mark Rosenman Rosen and, and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and A.J.
1: Joining us now is a former offensive lineman who played 12 professional seasons in the NFL. The bulk of his 171-game career was spent as a member of Gang Green. He plays high school football at Linville Sully High and was a standout at Graceland University. It is a pleasure to welcome former New York Jet Jeff Criswell to 540 AM Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Jeff.
0: Hey, guys. How are you tonight?
1: We're Doing real good. Good and we're really happy to have you with us tonight. Before we talk about the current state of the New York Jets, let's talk a little bit about your career. Back in high school, you were a defensive tackle and quarterback. The major colleges that recruited you all wanted you to walk on as a tight end. You instead took a scholarship as a tight end for Graceland, not Elvis's mansion, but an NAIA (laughs) Division II college with enrollment of 850 students. Why did you decide to go there?
0: You know, mostly because I felt like it was an opportunity to play and play right away. You know, yeah, I was... I was kind of a mixed, mixed mutt. I, I, being an offensive or defensive uh, tackle and, and uh, quarterback, it was just a t- I was you know, a tough guy to, to understand where I would fit in most of these uh, larger schools, offense or defense, as far as that goes. Um, interestingly enough, my brother, he also went to Graceland University. It was called Graceland College at the time. And uh, he was there. he's a year older than I am. He also played football and and I had met a few people down at uh, in Lamona at graceland and, and kind of liked you know that atmosphere. And I went there, and I got hurt right away as soon as my first you know couple weeks in, I had a knee problem, and it looked like pretty much I wasn't going to get a chance to play. But that's why I went to Graceland. It was uh, just a good opportunity, it' was a great school to go to. Uh, I had good friends there. I had the college experience that I was looking for.
1: So it's also very interesting, because similar to the quarterback position for the Jets, three offensive tackles get injured in one game for Graceland. You move from tight end to tackle. You played well enough to be selected to the Heart of America Conference all-star team that toured Europe. I have to imagine that's a pretty amazing experience, all of a sudden playing football in front of you know, 30,000 people.
0: Yeah, well, you take your accolades where you can get them, right? You know, coming from an NAIA Division II school, um, you did get a lot of, uh, of accolades. Uh, by, by my senior year, um, I, had, uh, I had made, uh, I don't mention, I think All-American, and, and you get to go over to Europe. It was uh, an interesting thing. It was before the NFL had ever been there. And we got there, we played a bunch of club teams, which was interesting. I mean, we were you know, pretty much all, the conference or All-American uh, football players, and when we got there, we realized that we were playing kids that were like fourteen to fifty-four. <laughs> and so, after our first game, we decided that we would go ahead and uh, switch up and play different positions. Um, yeah, it was a different experience, you know. My football, uh, the stadium that we played in, uh, pretty much backed a golf course and a cow pasture. And <laughs> you know, you had uh, maybe at any given, maybe our homecoming was you might have had a thousand people there. Uh, most of the time, it was just whatever the students could gather up is probably much smaller than, than uh, an average-sized uh, high school nowadays, especially a Texas high school. Um, so it was, a, it was an interesting deal. I mean, of course, you know, when you're, playing, when you're playing, you're not thinking about those things. You're just worrying about competing and doing well at, at your job.
1: It's also interesting because as small as that school is, the NFL Combine Scouts do make trips to, to Graceland every year. How did they miss you?
0: You know what? Again, you know, I don't think that I was considered I was like two hundred and sixty pounds. Um, you know I, I probably ran like a 4.7 four or a four eight, which isn't bad for alignment, but I wasn't very heavy. Strength was very moderate. my uh, I guess my football IQ was pretty high. Um, you know, I got drafted in the tenth round the uh, USFL was still around. It was that same year that they that they uh, uh, um, stopped the league. So I went to Canada, and I tried out for the Montreal Alouettes. Right, And I was there for about two weeks, and basically it was cut on the practice field. I made $27 uh, a week, so I didn't even know how much I was making until I got the paycheck. I was like, is this, is this real? <laughs> I, was, I thought it was kind of a joke. It was crazy because the dollar was like uh, more than what the Canadian dollar was, so it was like 72 cents on the dollar. Um, that was quite an experience. I mean, uh, you know, then I went. I was moved out to California. Uh, I was still working out. Uh, you know, basically I got a job at a gym, which was great for me, and I got my weight up. So got up to about 275 to 280, somewhere in there. And then the strike came, you know, in '87, and it kind of goes from there. But I don't, you know, the, we didn't have a lot of scouts. I mean, these, the scouts that would come by were combine scouts. They, you know, they took a 40 time. Uh, I don't think anybody ever actually had me lift or go out on the field outside of doing a 40. And uh, just kind of passed over, you know.
1: It's amazing. Players that that can end up playing 171 games in the NFL get passed over. You know, it's interesting because if I remember correctly, you seem to have appeared in jet camp out of nowhere. But you mentioned 85, you were cut by the the Montreal Alouettes. Um, Mm -hmm. No one in the NFL or CFL called. You had a football, as you mentioned, working in in a gym. The NFL strike comes. You played three games for the the Colts, starting three games. Strikes Mm -hmm. ended. You're out of a job again. Then in May of 1988, the Jets invite you to camp. What do you remember about that early camp and your prospects of making it back into the NFL?
0: Yeah, well, it's uh, it's an interesting story because, as you know, the, the strike in 87 gave a lot of guys like me an opportunity to play. I'd already sat out a year and a half of football. thought it was pretty much over. Thank God I had an agent, you know, and I was his only player, by the way. But I was living in Orange County, California, so I was in pretty good shape. Uh you know, the strike came, they were pulling guys off the street to fill to, uh, the teams, and I got called by the Indianapolis Colts, and that's where I went. Um, fortunate enough to, to start and play three games at, uh, I think it was right guard, and after that, there were probably four teams or so, four or five teams that wanted to sign me, uh, including the Colts. Uh, the Jets, I had probably what we felt at the time, based on some research that my agent did, uh, that they... Probably weren't going to do any draft picks. Uh, they were going to try to get some guys shuffled around that they already had. Uh, they just got a first round pick in Mike Haight, who was from the University of Iowa. So we felt like I had a, an opportunity. You know, they, back in those days, they brought in 145 guys wow. to camp that year. Wow! And um, wow. but I was because of the fact that I played with the Colts. They brought me in. I signed early, and they brought me into the veterans' camp, mini camp. And you know, it was Joe Walton's uh, system. It was a very difficult system to learn. Uh like I said, I, I feel I have a pretty pretty high football IQ at least. And um I got to, I learned to plays, I got to mingle with the vets, uh I got to know those guys at minicamp and so forth. So by the time training camp came around I was kinda of ahead of the head of the curve. But unfortunately, uh not only did they draft somebody, but they drafted a the first round, a third round, and a sixth round. <laughs> yeah. In front of me, (laughs) I thought, what the heck, you know, and not to mention all the other guys that were already there. I think we were like, um, I don't know how many guys we had. I think we had at least 15 or 20 guys on the offensive line trying out that year. Um, It was just a lot of guys. But uh, I started working right in with Mike Haight. They were trying to push him a little bit, and and I was just in a good position to do so and and played in several of those uh, preseason games, and I did well. And I uh, made the team, you know, as a backup.
1: You, you, the team starts out two and one that season. Dave Cadigan gets injured in week three, and week four in Detroit, you make your first non-replacement start. Did that game yep. have more meaning to you than the games you played with the
0: Colts? And and, and... um, well, you know, it's, it's you know, you're, you're, when you're in it, you're caught up in it. You're, you know, everything is. You're kind of going day by day. I, you don't really have time to reflect on any of that stuff until the season ends. And yeah, when Dave, uh, who's one of my best friends, uh, played with him for several years, um, you know, when he went down, you know, I hadn't played much left tackle. I played right, right tackle, right guard, and uh, left guard. And so when he went down, I was like, oh, well, who are you guys going to put out there? <laughs> you know, and they're like, oh, you, you're going out there. I was like, what? And, uh, you know, I, I, I struggled that first game. I, I, I remember, you know, it, I I made it through. We won the game. I don't even remember what the score was. I think I had an offside, another penalty. Uh, I didn't give up any sacks, but I had a lot of rug burns all over my elbows and knees. Uh, So I was on the ground a lot, which is not a good sign for linemen. And then the second game of the year was uh, Monday Night Football against Bruce Smith, uh, the Buffalo Bills. And that's when the whole thing got turned up and nuts, you know. Uh, I don't even know if I touched him. You know, <laughs> the whole game—it was really weird. He's just like—he was he was like a ghost. I'd go for him, and he'd be gone. Use <laughs> that famous so, spin move, yeah? <laughs> yeah, no, I was on—I was on all of his highlight films there for many years. You know, I, I think the spin move was invented by him, or at least it was mostly noted uh, by his him doing it. And it was uh, a lot of it was against me several <laughs> times, but I finally caught up with him by. Oh, probably my third year playing him, he didn't uh, he didn't get what he used to get on me. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, it's also interesting. During your career with the Jets, you played under Joe Walton, Bruce Coslett, Pete Carroll. Kansas City, you played under Marty Schottenheimer. From an offensive lineman's prospect, what if anything changes when there's a coaching change?
0: Well, you know, I mean, it's uh, like with us. Not only did the coaches change, but a lot of the front office people change too. Um, when Walton left, uh, it was Steve Gutman and Jim Royer were kind of the personnel guys, and Steve was the president. And when Coslet came in, then it became Dick Steinberg uh, as the general manager, and Royer kind of took a second position, and Steve was still the president. Huh. But Dick was gonna really the guy, him and Coslet, to decide who the team was. Um, you know. Yeah, I always felt like for myself, because I was a free agent, I wasn't really anybody's guy to the pick as a first or even a draft pick, that they were always talking about publicly, you know, uh, needing a left tackle, which is what I played. And, and these guys, they would bring first-rounders in, and and when free agent came around, they'd bring free agents in. And quite frankly, I just never looked over my shoulder. I just went out and played ball, and no one ever beat me out. You know, it was just uh, – they, they brought guys in that thought might better – and they never did. You know, I ended up playing and starting, like you said, in over 171 games in my career, which is a, a ton of football. But um, things can change. I mean, they, they like their guys. They start drafting their guys. They want to see their guys do well. Um, and uh, that's, it's a, it can be a tricky, tricky deal. I just, I just kept my head forward and, 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 and played my ball, and I didn't worry about it too much.
1: You know this question really is pertinent today. You played in front of Ken O'Brien, Pat Ryan, Tony Eason, Kyle Mackey, Mark Malone, Troy Taylor, Browning Nagel, Jeff Blake, Boomer Seisen, Jack Trudeau, Glenn Foley, Steve Bono, Rich Gannon, Elvis Gerback—all
0: Irish quarterbacks,
1: <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. But but here's the question because we saw today a, a brand new Jet quarterback, and we see a giant quarterback um, in front of a, a you know an offensive line. What are the adjustments and how long does it take for an offensive line to get in rhythm with not only the quarterback, but the backfield? And how long is that adjustment period, how long does that take?
0: Um, you know, that's that's probably a good question. I, you know, part of me wants to say that it doesn't take very long because, you know, at the end of the day, the, the, the five guys in the line that are, that are playing and, and they're working together on on uh you know what they're supposed to do and, and you know they we never really looked back uh behind us uh, who was handling the ball i think the only thing we, never really, we got caught up in was with the was cadence you know like uh, you know i remember when brownie Nagel first became the starting quarterback it wasn't that uh, and i had a lot of penalties that year and so did dave and it was all you know a lot of it just came from the cadence that he had uh, the, the his that he had kind of really mimicked the crowd noise, and it was it was a tough thing for most of us to play with. But outside of that, you know, again, you, you just you're worried about the guy, your job in front of you, uh, and hopefully the other guys on the team are doing the same thing, and you're gonna you're gonna do well. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I think it's you need a little luck in the National Football League as well. And I always felt like with the New York Jets. Uh, we had a couple seasons that were okay, but we didn't have a lot of luck on our team. And I really noticed that that element when I went from the Jets to the Chiefs, you know, where the Jets were always struggling. Uh, we, you know, had great players at times. Um, we were always hit with the injury bug. Uh, if anything, it just seemed like Murphy's Law a lot of times, much like it did this year uh, for the guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, I saw a comic uh, – this year on, uh, I don't know, some some video clip I saw, and it was a picture of the New York Jet football team coming out of the tunnel, but right before they came out was a ladder, a black cat, and a <laughs> safe that was about to fall off.
1: <laughs> that, that sort of sums up the Jets history, not I just their you, season.
0: laughed, and I said, you know, that I mm. was the best damn picture because that was so true, it seemed like a lot of times. Question and then when you up. go, when we went to the Chiefs, you know, they were, they were uh, already winning, you know, games that they had just gone uh, with uh, um, Montana. Uh, he had just left. I didn't get to play with him, but I played against him several times. But he had just left. He just went to the, the championship game, you know. So they were, and they ended up being, you know, the most winningest uh, team in the 90s, you know, with Schottenheimer and Carl Peterson. So. You know, I and mean, you come from a team like the Jets where we struggled a lot, and you start talking with the guys that were on that team, and they just looked at you cross eyed like, oh, what are you talking about? You know, I mean, you know, out of it by the eighth game of the season, what are you talking about? They were never, never experienced that where, you know, hell, most of us were playing for our jobs and our livelihood, and, and playing in New York, uh, just being in, a, in a, a large media market, you had everybody after you at, at any given time.
1: You know. So let's, two, two questions about this. Look, weird things that happen to the Jets. Uh, weird thing one, what happens in the locker room uh, when weird thing after weird thing after <laughs> weird thing happens? How do you rally? How do you say, you know, you look around and say, what's going to happen next? Or how do you try and get beyond something as odd as saying your quarterback coming down with mononucleosis?
0: Yeah, it just depends on what part of the season you're in, I think. I mean, most of the guys in the locker room, even though they come up 0-3 and they're not really playing at least offensively good football right now, um, you're not out of it, you know. I mean, I know the statistics are against them, uh, but they're not out of it. And, you know, just being in the AFC, uh, they still have some teams they can beat there, you know. Yeah, uh, the strangest things happen. I mean, who gets mono, right? Yeah. Uh, we, we're, we're missing four, three or four, you know, key guys on our team that uh, they needed to have healthy, and they got hurt right away, uh, and that's that's just a tough, a tough thing. But right now, I don't think anybody's throwing in the towel. I, I, I wouldn't see that. And you know, in the National Football League, you know, um, one of my offensive line coach was Art Shell. Years ago, you know, we he always said to us, you know, hey, just look, there's 17 guys up in the top office there looking to replace you guys, regardless how good you you are. You know, they're they're we're always looking to replace you, and so you you gotta you got to uh, when the adversity hits, you have to learn to play not only for your team but for yourself too. You know, and, and free agent uh, and with free agency, you never know who's looking at you. You know, if you end up going to another team or whatever. And you tank or whatever—it's—it's—it's it's, it, it, it's reflected because uh, the big guy in the sky, you know, the film doesn't lie. You
1: know, it, 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 one of the, one of the weirder and maybe more tragic moments, sort of in the Jets' history, and you were on the roster and you're probably on the sidelines, was the Dennis Byrd hit when he mm-hmm. ended up being taken from the field, paralyzed. And of course, he worked hard; mm-hmm. he recovered, and then in a strange, shed fashion, he, he died a few years ago in a mm-hmm. car accident. Yeah. What do you remember about? Being on the sidelines when that hit happened, what was going through your mind and the team's mind then?
0: You know what? Um, it was we were already in a tough season. You know, I, I know as a team goes. I think I had been benched that game. Uh, so from you know a personal thing, you know, I was already kind of figuring out what my next move was going to be, and you know the team wasn't playing well, obviously. Um, after, obviously, when that happened and afterwards, uh, you know, you didn't feel like playing football anymore, I can tell you that. And the Kansas City Chiefs, who ironically who went to later, I mean, they, they, they didn't feel like playing either, you know. <laughs> they were just wanted to get the game over with. And, you know, the thing was, I think it showed we rallied the next week. We played Buffalo up in Buffalo, and we ended up beating them, you know. Um, I think we ended up, I forget what our record was that year. It wasn't very good, four and five or something maybe. Uh, but it was wasn't very good and it's it's tough when somebody gets injured especially injured that way they become incapacitated on the field uh your heart sinks and you know then obviously you know here a couple of years ago he gets killed in a head on accident you know in a freak accident um, you know just uh it's a tough thing know
1: it's hard to believe that you've been out of the league for over twenty years now and watching tell me about it yeah in, in watching the game today. You know, I see tons of differences, but from someone who's played the game, I have to imagine that the difference in the day, the the games that you played to today's game, have to be mind-boggling. What do you see as the major difference between the era that you played in and what's going on today?
0: Well, from a from just from a fundamental from a, a position, I don't see a lot changing uh, with the offensive line. You know, the the rules haven't changed any for us. Uh, you know, guys are still hitting with their head every play. Uh, it's part of the position, and it's not talked about um, except after and you've been out ten years, and all of a sudden you you, know, you can't remember where you are or where you've been, and and then that's when you notice it. But so it hasn't changed. I wouldn't say too much with offensive line, but You know, the the thing that's probably changed for the better is that practices are a little easier. You know, they don't. When I got in the league, you had. Uh, to, you know, training camp, two practice a day, three hours of practice. Uh, if you got hurt, they just rotate somebody else in, and they went full go all the time. We started practice off the very first practice with an Oklahoma drill, you know. Yeah. And so I think from the standpoint of position, that's, that has changed. Uh, obviously, the quarterback protections and hitting with your helmet and spearing and and all of these things. And then technology, you know, I mean, it used to seem like it took forever to get through a game anyway With when we just had TV timeouts. You know, I found you're out there on the field going, are we going yet? No, <laughs> TV timeout. So you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting, and, and it seems like if you had the momentum, you start to lose that a little bit. Well, now you've got all these red flags that can come out, and now you're waiting even longer. Everything's got to be uh, checked and rechecked. Um, and I think the verdict or the vote is still out on, you know, if that's a uh, a big plus or a big minus. Uh, I guess it depends on which way it falls. If it falls for you, it's a plus.
1: <laughs> so, you so. Mentioned, so you mentioned pace of play, and, and that was kind of the topic of conversation this week with Tom Brady chiming in on the penalties. So as a former offensive lineman, it gets talked about a lot on broadcast that they could call a holding penalty on every play. So how true is that? And then... In your opinion, how do the refs find the balance of knowing when to let it go and knowing when to step in and throw the flag
0: yeah you know I think I think I think we're for you know I'm an assistant football coach here in, in uh, Greenwich Connecticut uh, uh, Brunswick high School and uh, offensive defensive line and we had several holding penalties this week and it was like you know on running plays, I just don't see how uh, how they're called, really? I mean, yeah, an outside guy like a tight end or something trying to do a reach block on a on an end uh, grabs the jersey, turns and spins them. But they shouldn't even really be called. And on the on uh, as far as holding as, as with pass protection, um, yeah, that's, that's 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 tricky. I mean, you know, guys are taught and we train these kids at an early age. Get your hands inside, and not only does your hands inside usually win. You know, especially with leverage, but it also keeps you from getting penalties. Um, torquing guys to the ground, high low hits, all those kinds of things. Those are real obvious movements um, that uh, you're probably going to get called for, and they're very judgmental. I mean, we had a couple kids this weekend on our high school team that they just overmanned the guy, threw the guy to the ground, and they called that torquing, and they, they gave penalties. And it just it just wasn't right. Happens in the National Football League some. The game's played. A lot more from the waist up, you know, not so many guys on the ground um, but it's 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 a judgment call, you know, and hopefully you get an officiating crew that that uh, isn't flag happy about it because yeah they they probably could call holding on somebody every play at some point.
1: it's interesting because quarterbacks always have one career drive or a pass they remember, a running back may remember as long as run from scrimmage, a, a receiver, a, a, a specific touchdown pass, a linebacker, a sack, a safety and interception. What's the one single play that you remember from your career and why?
0: Huh. Well, that's a good question. You know, usually the offensive line kind of think is a group. And uh, we even have fines, you know, against uh, being you know, singled out or, uh, you know, being an individual as such, um, you know, I guess there's if they go by uh, kind of a, a reward or awards that I got when I was playing, uh, I remember playing uh, on a Halloween evening against the New York Giants and Michael Strahan's first year rookie season. And um, I played uh, damn near a perfect game, you know, at least that's how it graded out. And I got uh, I got the only game ball for that on the offensive side for that uh, that deal, and so it was. It's probably a cumulative things. I don't remember you know really one play that I said, oh yeah, that's that's great. Now I can remember a couple plays where I got knocked out of the park on the interceptions and stuff, you know, <laughs> and got got hit pretty hard on interceptions. But uh, one play that I'd say kind of you know just made my made my career. I can't say that I I have even thought about it really.
1: So it's also interesting, especially today, the quarterback position this season has taken a big hit early. Darnold out with mono. Big Ben out for the season, Drew Brees out with injuries. The Eli Manning era ended today with an unbelievable comeback win by Daniel Jones, Nick Foles. Um, And it's interesting because the fans in the media always put so much emphasis on the quarterback. But without a strong offensive line to protect him, it's almost impossible, no matter who's behind the center, to perform. As an offensive lineman, are you surprised that of all the positions on the field, the offensive lineman might be the least celebrated of all positions? Yet in the modern era, it is has the most Hall of Famers inducted out of any position.
0: Hmm. I, you know, and I didn't know that. I didn't know that fact. Uh, to be quite honest, um, you know, I mean, it's 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 not surprising. I mean, there's so many guys that that I played with uh, that are deserving of all kinds of, uh, you know, awards. And and uh, for your teammates, I guess, to, to recognize that is kind of, you know, the thing, the feather in the cap for you. You know, you're, as a group, again, you know, you're, you're, you're everything you do together, you, you go to lunch, dinner together, you practice together, you sit together, and there's always a group of 78 guys that you're with all the time. And, uh, you know, so you don't think of yourself as an individual that much, I guess. And for your teammates to be thinking about you in that way um, is great. I mean, it's just it's an awesome thing. Uh, yeah.
1: yeah. It's pretty interesting for sure. Just, just uh, for the numbers, um, where was it? I just want to give it to you. So the modern era, there are 46 offensive linemen in the Hall of Fame. And in the modern era, there are 27 wide receivers – and there are 26 quarterbacks. So, yeah, it is pretty wow. interesting stuff. That
0: that's really an amazing statistic. That's, that's something there. I'll have to use that with my boys that I'm, <laughs> that I'm coaching. You know?
1: Absolutely, for sure. Uh, Jeff, thanks so much for your time tonight. You uh, bet. Where is the best place for people and fans of yours to keep up with you on
0: social media these days? You know what? Um, just uh, yeah, I don't really have a, a large social media platform. I, you know, I'm on Facebook. Um, you know, I'm a realtor here in Greenwich. Uh, you know, they could look me up there for need of a home, and and then I'm with the Brunswick football team here in Greenwich, so we were doing that.
1: And you're not deleting your, your post on Facebook like Antonio Brown, right? <laughs> no, nothing like that, man. That's
0: that's really uh disheartening yeah. and discouraging. Thing. Yeah,
1: it is. Uh, it's a very sad it just, thing. It's certainly, is, yeah. All right, Jeff, thank you so much for your time tonight. We really appreciate it.
0: Yep. All right, thanks, guys. Have a great evening. You Talk too. to later.
1: Jeff Criswell, former New York Jet.